0: that in order to meet this moment, we have to recognize our
1: California comeback. I think in my time, this is a a very unusual and a very unique time. What I'm saying about the state today, it's an
2: enterprising, modernizing, pluralizing, unionizing nation state.
3: Here's the question. Is it safe for California to reopen its schools in the middle of a raging coronavirus pandemic? This week, Austin Butner drew scorn from President Trump for deciding to keep schools in the Los Angeles Unified School District closed this fall. LA Unified is the biggest school district in California, and Butner, the superintendent, says it's simply not safe to reopen at this time. But schools around California, including here in the Sacramento area, are now making plans to welcome students back despite the deadly pandemic. I'm Gil Duran, opinion editor of the Sacramento Bee. This week, On California Nation podcast, The B Editorial Board, which includes Lauren Gustus, Jack Oman, and Marcos Breton, talks to Austin Buettner about his decision to close the schools in LA. We started by asking him why he decided to keep the schools closed. Here's that conversation.
4: The deciding factor is the health and safety. The three things that we look at, learning needs of students, and we understand uh, many students are struggling. We want them back in school. That's where the best learning happens. The impact of the coronavirus on working families, where we know more than half the families we serve, someone in the family's lost work since the virus started, and the health and safety of all in the school community and the specific factors, skyrocketing occurrence of the virus in the Los Angeles area. Not the same throughout California, but within Los Angeles area, skyrocketing rates. The rate of those testing positive for the virus of those taking the test approaching 10%, twice the World Health Organization guideline, World Health Organization has said 5% and below, look at reopening, 5% above, slow down, 10%, five alarm fire. So when you pull all those pieces together, you say all the health factors of the community going in the wrong direction. With a virus where there will be and are a number of silent spreaders, it could be children or adults, we can't Safely bring them back to a congregate setting. For now, our goal is to be back as soon as we can. Yeah.
1: I have just one quick follow up, then I'll move to um, the principal question. But as soon as we can, would you anticipate that that would be this year? Or do you think Absolutely. you're looking
4: at? Absolutely. Okay. And, and I'm, I want to make sure we leave time to talk because what I laid out was we can't be there right now. We, not, we can't uniquely uh, control, we, I guess we can impact on the margin. Uh, the health factors of the community as a whole. So, if the rate of occurrence in Los Angeles decreases, goes back to where it was in May, early June, if the level of people testing positive goes back to where it was, we'll be back in school facilities, but we'll be back with testing and contact tracing. And those are really the missing piece. Uh, it's disappointing to me that we're not looking at the need to connect them in schools. And so many of the challenges society faces present themselves in schools the impact of poverty and all kinds of challenges as does health and safety. And testing seems to be the province of a different set of people having a different conversation. But if we look around the world where it's worked, where school communities have been brought back together, they're implementing the health and safety practices, which you and others have well chronicled. The stay a little bit further apart, put tape on the floor so you know about that, wear a mask, clean every surface, that's been well chronicled, we will do that. In addition, we need the other three, two legs of the stool. We need to test those in the school community and we need to trace those in the school community who test positive and we're uniquely placed to do or to be part of both those, not necessarily to do them, to be part because of the way school communities are configured.
1: Thank you uh, for that clarification. You talked about uh, how uh, our most significant issues often present in schools and Equity certainly um, has been an issue as we've navigated um, distance learning through the spring. I'm curious about, I, I would love to learn more about what you learned that worked that we might apply in other districts or that you will apply as we talk very specifically about distance learning and re entering uh, a community, if you will, a virtual community that will include distance learning up and down the state. Sure.
4: A couple three things first start with what i'll call table stakes the basics Uh, we learned it's possible to connect every student we didn't start there every student didn't have a device every student didn't have access to the internet every student wasn't connected to the school community within a matter of weeks not months we did that 100 percent, all not most not many all so everybody was connected Uh, that's a powerful set of tools Uh, the second thing is we trained wash rinse repeat (coughs) 35,000 of our educators uh, went through training on how to use the tools and technologies to, and to teach online. We had almost 14,000 sign up for another 30 hours of training to become masters of online instruction, what it means. And we've tried to look at where the needs are online differently and what tools or capacity we can build to address it. And so we have to figure out ways to be engaging keep their attention. We have to find ways to use the tools to enrich the experience. So we've tried some things in the summer we've never done before. We brought in a Snapchat to help create a virtual book club where Alicia Keys and Russell Westbrook are talking about books. And students can download the book for free. We raise charitable money to make sure students can access those books. We brought in James Cameron to teach a class on the Voyage of the Titanic and Illumination to teach our kids how to animate and tell stories and uh, Fender We've got 1,000 kids, probably the biggest virtual guitar class in the world right now, where Fender has provided them each with a free guitar, and they're learning. And we will further push the boundaries while school facilities will be closed, and we won't bring all students back. We're going to look to see if we can't bring some back in a very targeted fashion uh, who might be struggling or need the most one-on-one in the form of tutoring or other things to complement what we're doing online.
2: Mr. Superintendent, the successes that you just cited are very impressive, but can you speak to the challenges of distance learning, particularly for those students who don't always have a safe and stable place at home to learn?
4: It's a real challenge. There's no, you can't make the challenge go away. What we can do is to provide a connection, uh, which we've done. Uh, we can provide continuity, and you'll see in the fall we will have, or in oh, August, we'll have a schedule, a regular schedule and daily interaction uh, with a teacher and feedback to the family, feedback to the student in form of assessment so we can make it better. Uh, we can't change that circumstance, uh, and the safety net we provide to students and their families, whether the food and other things we can do to continue to provide it differently, we will we will. Continue to provide that support. But there's no substitute for being back at a school. We know that. You're looking at me like I didn't quite answer. Follow up if you want. Yeah.
2: Oh, well, you did. Uh, but I, uh, I wonder if you can expand on that answer of, I of, mean, of, you cited some of the things that made you proud. But what are some of the experiences that, that you and your colleagues have noticed that sort of keep you up at night? Uh, relating to the challenges of distance learning and oh well, and, uh, I'll give
4: you an example. I, I I've yet to see how we teach a first grader to read online. That, that's that's a and that's not unique to Los Angeles Unified. That is any school system around the world who's trying to do this online. Uh, online before before March was had a tremendous selection bias. It was a university where high schoolers who were able to learn independently it were was affluent families with support and tutors at home. It was affluent schools with all the technologies and the training and years of practice. Uh, Well, we serve every student. We serve students who haven't learned to read yet. We serve students with differences and disabilities. We've served students who come from families where there's a real struggle, and the struggle's made worse by the coronavirus. That's the journey of public education. We're adapting as best we can But without question, we want to be back in school facilities as soon as we can. But we got to balance all three because we can't let our heart uh, and the anguish we feel about the inability to serve the student with differences or disabilities as well as we could at school to say, okay, caution to the wind. Forget the fact that half of the carriers we can't identify. Forget the fact that the virus and the disease factors are going through the roof. Let's all get back to school because we want to make sure we're doing the best we can on learning, you say, okay, but the health consequence of that, not so good. So of the three, there's some non-negotiables in there. Uh, and I, I, I'm frustrated if I express frustration because the testing and the tracing is a missing piece that nobody's talking about. Nobody's connecting that to school. The Dodgers, you know, the Padres, they're getting tested to go back to work. What about teachers and students? Is it a money problem? I've tried to dimension. I don't think it should be a money problem. Is it a capacity problem? Well, let's get on. It's been five months. People are asking us what we're doing for the student. I'd ask for the health authorities to say, what are you doing about the testing? Because that gets us back to school.
0: Sir, um, in light of Secretary DeVos's recent statements and the president's uh, absolute insistence on Reopening schools this fall. How does that square with what you're doing? Are you do you feel like you're getting any useful federal guidance at this point?
4: I won't comment on the politics. Uh, I'll comment if I can on the substance, which is you can't just wish us back to school. If the federal government has a role to play, I can give you three things. Real simple. Fund us for the devices and internet access for now. Fund us for testing and contact tracing. In the context of the trillion dollars a month it's costing the economy or the scope and scale of the fifth largest economy in the world, it's a very small amount of money. Fund us for that. Fund us for IDEA. The laws about the standards to which we need to provide service to students with different and disabilities are set at the federal government. IDEA, or the generation now, and we exceed those standards the federal government themselves admit they provide less than a third of the funding they're supposed to under that same law. So my wish for federal authorities is, yes, cheer us on, tell us what the goal is. That's fine, I can accept that. But then take responsibility for the pieces that you can actually control or play a constructive role in, and it would be fund the device, fund the testing and fund IDEA we will be having a different conversation in six months about students.
1: I've got a question, uh, and it's a personal question. To some degree, I have a first grader, so we're learning to read um, together. And I think a lot about what parents should be doing right now. And I think a lot of parents don't have the right answers to that question, or they don't know what specifically to do. This is unprecedented. If you were to ask parents to do one thing, or parents could do one thing, what is the single most important thing that they can do?
4: Read to their child. I'll give you the second one, which is maybe a little broader than that, that may be a little targeted towards early learners, uh, would be to connect with their child's school and make sure they're informed. We have created a YouTube page with all kinds of training videos. We have this week actually 40 town halls throughout the communities we serve from Carson to Boyle Heights to Chatsworth where we have teachers and educators asking questions, answering questions, letting folks know where the resources and information are. And this transition to the center of school being at home from the classroom is a huge transition in responsibility, organizing the homework, uh, being the proctor, uh, being a tutor or an assistant in their child's work, we've
3: got help for each of those if families will reach out to us. What advice would you give to other education leaders who are grappling with the same decision you've had to make over whether to return to school or to maintain some form of distance learning until it's it's safe?
4: You know, look at those three things: the learning, which we're all looking at the same struggle, the impact on families, and Bring in science as we have. We have UCLA helping us and others, experts, because the community factors will be different. You know, we're an hour's drive from Orange County. I don't know if they're looking at different rates of infection, but they've certainly, uh, if there's 360 degrees in the circle, they're going the other way as fast as as we're going the other direction. Uh, So it will be different for your local community. But try to find those scientists and experts in your local community who will, tell you what fact is not opinion. We have lots of opinions about the need to be in school. We have lots of opinions about the need to be safe. We're trying to bring science into that uh, because that's not something schools typically have to do as our set of responsibilities. We focus on the learning. That's that's where we've got deep expertise and experience. On this other part, it's new. And at each step, we've tried to say, what is the problem we're trying to solve? Uh, Because if we waited for the state, to help us in internet access, they they piggybacked the arrangement we have with Verizon about two and a half months after we did it. So we could have, typically a school district would say, well, the state will tell us what to do. They set the boundaries for public education. We didn't wait. We didn't wait for someone to tell us to get everyone a device. We didn't wait to provide food in the communities we serve. So at each step, we're trying to look at what the problem is. If we can be part of the solution, we will. And we're taking the same approach, uh, quite honestly, on the testing and contact tracing because it has to get solved. We can't all just look to somebody else or some other part of the government if they're not doing their job or if the solution hasn't presented itself.
3: So that was our discussion with Austin Butner, the superintendent of the Los Angeles Unified School District, the largest in the state. He made the decision this week to keep the schools there closed in the fall because of the coronavirus spike. Butner was really clear about a few things. He said, we don't have the testing and the contact tracing we need to reopen the schools safely in California. And as important as education is for children, he said it would be wrong to put lives at risk out of some ill-conceived idea of helping kids by putting their grandparents or parents in jeopardy, or even their own health, because children are dying from the coronavirus. After Butner left the meeting, the editorial board convened to have a discussion about what we learned from him and what we think is the right path for our schools going forward. Here's that discussion with the Sacramento Bee editorial board. So, I'm here with Lauren Gustus, who's the executive editor, member of the editorial board of the Sacramento Bee, Jack Oman, cartoonist and deputy editorial page editor of the Sacramento Bee, and Marcus Breton, our columnist at the Sacramento Bee. We just talked to Butner and so here's the question. LA's decided to keep its schools closed because of the virus is spiking. And yet we see other school districts around the state, including here in Sacramento, seem to be drafting plans to reopen anyway. Marcos and Lauren, you have children here in these schools, so who's right?
2: So uh, I, th- I think that uh, Mr. Butner's words are well taken, and I have a difficult time seeing how my children's school can open safely at the end of August. And, uh, and I say that as someone who needs his kids to be back in school. Um, and as someone who, with two teenagers, who, uh, I'm a parent who is worried uh, at what my children are losing by uh, learning remotely. And my children are privileged compared to uh, many of the my children's classmates who uh, don't have um, their own computers, who don't have a stable internet access and don't have two supportive parents at home bird-dogging them. So, um, It it, it seems, uh, uh, while well-intentioned, it seems uh, ill-advised to open schools at this point. And so it it seems to me that that the the emphasis needs to shift toward how can we best help our kids when they are not in the classroom as opposed to trying to force the situation and force them into the classroom.
1: Yeah. um, Thanks, Marcos, and thanks, Gil, for the opportunity. I'm a pretty practical person, and as you look at the reporting that the B and other news organizations have done, you see we tried to open up, and then we had to shut back down, and we shut down gyms, and we've shut down restaurants, and um, our indoor spaces, uh, our indoor public spaces, I should say, are right now off limits. And I just can't reconcile that with creating a safe experience in the schools right now. I acknowledge that everybody makes their own decision and you make a personal decision and you got to do what's best for you and your family. And at the same time, it seems like a stretch to get to a safe reopening in a matter of weeks up here in Northern California.
3: Jack, did you find Butner's take on this convincing? I found
0: it very convincing and absolutely not. I, I maybe I would just keep them out. Maybe I would just withdraw them. I, 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 and I wouldn't struggle with it for a second, first because I believe that um, we're not asking teachers to be essential workers, and number one, and number two, I've spoken to quite a number of teachers in the last couple of months about how they were handling this situation, and there are so many homes where, you know, they're not like, middle-class homes, particularly in Los Angeles. And they are, one of my teacher friends told me that uh, a significant percentage of the students don't even show up on Zoom just because of technological barriers, number one. And number two, they, some children are 10, 11 years old, and they're taking care of three or five-year-old kids. And so they're very distracted. I mean, I don't know what the right answer is, but I do know that I don't, believe that that they should be forced to be
3: uh, teaching in petri dishes. And we see now there's a Wall Street Journal story out today. Israel is now starting to regret having opened its schools again because the infections are spiking in students, spiking in teachers, spiking in families. And there's a real uh, consideration of whether that was the right move to make. Uh, seeing what happened, So if we see what happened in other places, now other countries have opened their schools, but they also weren't in the middle of this ferocious spike that we're seeing here. So it just doesn't seem very wise. And once again, in this situation, Governor Newsom is largely trying to leave the decision up to locals. And when we see the result of that at the state level has been this disaster, basically, where we're going back to square one, I guess the question is whether leaving it up to locals is going to work for schools or do we need more leadership from the governor?
1: One of the things that I thought uh, the superintendent said that was pretty interesting was that, look, we need testing, right? We need testing and we need contact tracing. And that's an effort that can be coordinated at a statewide level. And why are the Padres and the Giants uh, getting coronavirus tests and we can't get them in schools? And I acknowledge that that's a complicated issue and that there are um, uh, certainly responsibilities that lie at multiple levels of government. Um, However, you know, we've got to think about how we can do better contact tracing and how we can get more tests uh, into schools. And I would say that that would be a place where we have demonstrated as a state that we can flex our muscle previously. And can we do that again such that when we do return, we are prepared uh, for um, re-entry such that it's responsible?
3: Marcos, do you think we need more leadership from the governor or should this be left up to locals?
2: Well, I don't think it's to be left up to locals. We do need more leadership. And I heeded the superintendent's words. To me, the words that he spoke that really rung out to me were when he said, fund us. Uh, for um, in, in the funding schools to make sure that it was safe for kids. And to me that, that, that speaks to how we need to be providing all kids with stable internet access, with a laptop uh, and, and with a safe place to, to study, even if it's away from the school. Uh, and, and so if there is uh, a lack of leadership uh, it's going to play out on that level. Uh, and so if 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 Governor Newsom really is the leader that he makes himself out to be, uh, then he's going to talk about uh, how we're going to help kids who are not as privileged as his kids.
0: You know, I'm going to take a slightly contrarian position here because I... I have felt that he's actually done a pretty good job overall. I think in the last couple of weeks, he's gotten bogged down in his own rhetoric, and um the problem that I see that he faced early on was that uh there was no coordinated federal response to this, and quite frankly, that continues to be the case. I think where he went awry was that he was facing a lot of local political pressure and i think fundamentally newsom there's a part of newsom that is not liberal it, he is a small business owner he well that's worth you know several million dollars and so i think sometimes he thinks more uh conservatively and in, bus- in a business orientation than than you would think and so i think you know is he providing strong leadership i think he's providing pretty effective leadership. Most of the time, I think he has slipped in the last month. Absolutely. And I think that his ability to articulate precisely what it is that he wants, um, often gets bogged down in his jargon. And we've, we've seen this, uh, in a very pronounced way in the last couple of weeks where it's almost like he hasn't he's lost his ability to communicate with real people you know because he keeps talking about attestation and and all these phrases that regular people don't grok you know and so I do think he's trying to do the right thing with some stumbles um and uh hasn't been as effective as he could
3: be Well, those stumbles are costing a lot of Latino lives and health. They're the were the main ones facing this. So I guess that would be a little less forgiving uh, of his errors. But I think that um, what we're seeing from Newsom is this desire to somehow stay out of the target, to stay out of the hot seat of having to make decisions. But when it becomes a disaster, as it now has become in California, he's the one who's responsible for it anyway. So it's not clear to me why he would continue to seek to evade responsibility. When he's definitely going to be held accountable at the other end. I think most politicians, uh, especially conservative ones, would seek to have a more more of a command and control model over a situation like this. If you're going to be on the hook for the results, then you want to be in charge of the response. And I think that's what we've been hearing from Steve Glazer and, and, and others. So I'd push back a bit there on the idea that Newsom is doing a good job. I think he was doing a good job until it became a disaster because of the poor decisions he made and so it's hard for me when lives are on the line to reconcile good leadership with with disaster if that makes sense.
0: No, it does make sense and I, and, and and you raise th- the best point which is um now this vacillation is costing lives and I did I did I did note that in the last couple of weeks I felt that you know he has fallen short. Mm-hmm. So I d- I don't want that to go unaddressed but I do agree with you.
3: And so I guess the question is seeing everything we've seen over the past few months where there was a good strong start by Newsom that then became, you know, the California miracle became the California nightmare is the idea here that we just open up and see what happens and then roll it back once teachers students and parents start dying of of COVID-19 and I think it seems to me we're pretty clear here on what our verdict is but just for the record uh, do do we think Sacramento schools and schools in California should be reopening in the middle of an infection spike, when we don't have the capability to test and trace and provide for safety,
0: well, an hour ago the AP moved a story that said that Fauci was extremely optimistic about the the current trial um, that the NI uh, that the CDC uh, under his uh, leadership um, has um, put out going forward. So that's good news, and I think that if we can put off exposing everybody for another six months, then Sacramento should follow LAUSD's lead as well.
1: One of the things we haven't really touched on is costs. Costs to operate a school uh, within the confines of a pandemic with um, staggered schedules and uh, distance learning in addition to in person and uh, tests, masks, PPE. Do the students have what they need? Do the teachers have what they need? Um, Not that this is the only reason that we make a decision, but if we think about SACUSD very specifically, we know that its budget is shaky at best, um, and I want my kids to be at SACUSD for years. I want them to have a positive, constructive experience, just as they did last year, and In order to do that, we've got to make the best possible decision that we can right now. I would love to see resolution sooner rather than later so that we can get on a path that's going to be as constructive as possible for as many kids as possible as we look at what the options for distance learning are in the fall.
3: Marcos, we'll leave it with you.
2: Uh, Yeah, I myself have not had the heart to have the discussion with my children that maybe the fall is not going to be what we hoped it would be. At the end of the last school year we all looked longingly at, at labor day as a, as a chance where some normalcy would return to our lives uh, and so i'm gonna have that uncomfortable discussion with my own children very soon uh and so uh, because i i don't think it's realistic uh and i i don't know even if my school opened i don't know if i would send my children uh, uh in the fall g- given the fact that we can't guarantee the, the safety of the children and uh of the teachers as well so uh, and, until that happens until that happens we're um, we 're in a crisis really uh, where our, our children are, are paying a price uh, for a, a lack of leadership and, and a lack of of political will to respond sooner uh, and 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 more emphatically and 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 to uh, for all of us I think to be beguiled a little bit by uh, a, a very charming governor uh, who spoke very well at the outset, but clearly um the issue of, 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 of testing and, and uh, uh, was, has not, ne- never been what it should be. Uh, and then when we began opening uh, at that point, that's when uh, it really uh, was clear uh, that we were going in the wrong direction. And, and we're paying for it now. Unfortunately, and our kids are going to pay for it this fall.
3: That's it for the California Nation podcast this week. Thank you for listening. And please take a moment to hit subscribe. See you next time.